Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Telegram, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim, and today is February 11th, 2023, and this is episode 253 of the Workshop Podcast. So how are you today, guys? In just a minute, we're going to dive into my latest Ramblings from the Road episode. Real quick, let's knock out a couple of quick housekeeping items. Honestly, the big one is I get asked a lot, Hey, Tim, what's the easiest way to support the workshop and what you do? So really, guys, there's, there's a few ways. But, you know, if you watch my videos on YouTube, I get a little bit of ad revenue from that, and I appreciate it. <clears throat> If you're shopping on Amazon or if you're like, hey, I wonder if that crazy Tim has a recommendation for a certain product. Well, the easiest way is to go to toolmantim.shop. I think I got about 250 items up there. Everything that I've used in my life and I have tested and made sure that they'll work for me and for you. Anything you pick up there, I get a little bit of support from that as well. Both those are things you're going to do anyway. And then number three, if you really want to, uh, value for value exchange, there's always patchofthemonth.co. It's 10 bucks a month or $100 a year. We do PayPal, I'll do silver, and of course, crypto, especially lightning. It's the best way. You get a cool, politically incorrect, rather humorous patch every single month. I, uh, a little two by three Velcro patch that you can put on water bottles, hats, jackets, plate carriers, the works. Plus, you get added to a super secret email list where you have a chance to have first dibs on any new products that I release. And beyond that, it's just it, we're going to be adding more and more benefits to it as we go along. But you get a $10 patch every single month and it helps support the workshop. So those are the three easiest ways. I appreciate it for you. You guys have allowed me to turn this into a business. But first and foremost, it's a love for me to help other people. And if I could make it financially sustainable, all the better. So with that, guys, today we're going to dive into my latest ramblings of the road, two of the dirtiest words on the planet. Hey, guys, Toolman Tim here, back with another ramblings from the road. This is my return trip from Lloydminster. It's uh, still snowing, but not too bad. The turns and the slowdowns, it's getting a little greasy, but... Uh, it's also sunny south of me, so I'm going to be driving into the sun. So today, guys, I want to share with you two of the dirtiest words in the world. Well, maybe not dirty. I don't know. But two of the most misunderstood words to the general public that I can think of. You ready for them? If you got small children around, you might want to turn the radio off. Those two words are prepper and anarchist. Why do those words go together so well? Well, we're going to explore that. So where did the idea for this show come from? Well, I guess considering I'm a prepper and an anarchist, it would be, uh, that'd be the first reason. But uh, I just finished up an episode, uh, episode three of The Last of Us. And if you guys have been following me along, who knows when this episode will come out. But our favorite libertarian, Ron Swanson, actor Nick Offerman, who to the best of my knowledge, his politics don't line up with his characters he plays, but I really don't care. 
just played a prepper in episode three that I thought was one of the most, in some ways, one of the most realistic portrayals or one of the most positive portrayals of a prepper in modern pop culture. It was, uh, it was kind of neat. The guy had his shit together. He lived a prepper dream. He grew old and died with the person he loved. Spoiler alert, guy. Sorry about that. He did everything he could. He survived for as long as he could. And the one thing, the one rule of survival that you, can, you can't break, well, the one rule of survival that will eventually get you is, hey, eventually everybody dies. But he was. He was a really cool prepper. You know, he... It was, it was interesting to see, nonetheless. So, let's slide back. Uh, let's start with the word prepper. You know, you guys have been following my um, History of Modern Preparedness series, which has had one episode so far. <laughs> You'll know the word prepper itself has only been around since the late 90s, coming out of Y2K, but the concept of prepping has been around since post-World War II. But really... I'm going to say, I, I mean, the concept of a crazy bunker, gun-toting, right-wing prepper has been around since at least 1990 when Burt Gummer in Tremors was a character, but it really came to the forefront or the mainstream, I would say, in the, um, I can't remember if it was Nat Geo or Discovery, whichever one it was, that did the Doomsday Prepper show. And I wanted to like that show. And I, I mean, I have people I consider friends who are on that show, which is really cool. And they were on the first season, and it is what it is. But that show, I think, in some ways, did a disservice to the public's idea of prepping. And, of course, we all know, you know, I can go down the rabbit hole of blaming everything on the government. Because, well, when it comes down to it, it seems like that the government is at fault for a lot of the problems we suffer with. But the modern mindset is I don't need to be prepared because if something bad happens, insert government agency here will show up and take care of us. And I get it. I do. When you have been brought up with that your entire life, and that is what's been indoctrinated into you from media, education, and family, then you are going to look at people who step outside of that cultural norm as weird and to be honest, us preppers are kind of fucking weird sometimes. We're all a little strange. And that's okay. <laughs> but the thing is, the idea of anarchy, why does it go so well with the crazy prepper? Well, because if you follow anarchy right to its core, and we're going to talk about this some more as we go along, it really means that uh, self-governance. And the idea behind that is that you have to take care of everything for yourself. Which means the third party's gone as far as the government goes. So that means you need to be 100% self-reliant. So that's, in my opinion, one of the, main, the biggest reason why anarcho anarchist beliefs go hand in hand with both homesteading and preparedness. So the word prepper, like I said... It's a scary word today to a lot of people. 
They picture somebody sitting back and watching Fox News all day long, waiting for the next diatribe from Tucker Carlson to tell them which GMO thing is in which GMO product. And, you know, that, that's what they expect. And I, I get it, you know, because we, we all feed into it a little bit and whatever. It is what it is. But the idea of being prepared, and I, I don't know the simple solution for this, so if anybody has any suggestions, send them along. I mean, whatever you end up choosing as a term, you know, someone who's interested in preparedness perhaps, always gets co-opted or hijacked eventually. You know, homesteader's a pretty good word right now. But there's some connotations that go along with homesteading as well that the general public would say, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, you're, you're one of those that thinks there's, you know, a government conspiracy behind everything. Or, well, what's wrong with you? Why do you, you know, it's the same as somebody who chooses to homeschool. You know, you pull yourself out of a system and people look at you weird. But the idea behind prepping is, if you, let me back up a little, guys. If you take, I would say, any person who is a member of a family, if you ask them, or if you said this statement to them, your biggest responsibility is to make sure your family is taken care of during an emergency. I think everyone would agree. Everyone. I don't, I don't know how you could disagree with that statement. Or at least, how about this way? Every person, one of any family members, especially husband or wife, mother or father, one of the biggest responsibilities is to make sure your family is taken care of. Simple. Done. So what what does that mean, taken care of? Well, it means looked after no matter what. You know, it means if eggs go up to $18 a carton, you've got a way to feed your family. Or if inflation goes up to double digits or help heaven help us triple digits you've got a way to look after your family but more reasonably what it means is if a hurricane comes through or a serious power outage comes through you've got a way to look after your family but if you ask the majority of people again whose responsibility is it to look after you your family or your town after a weather event after a hurricane tornado flood whatever almost every single person is going to say the government or fema or red cross or whatever it is there that, that's where it comes from so where's that disconnect because if you ask people one way do you think one of your biggest responsibilities is looking after yourself and your family they're going to say well sure of course it is but then as soon as you say who is the most responsible for looking after you and yours after an emergency, most everybody's going to say some sort of relief organization. So th there's a disconnect there. And where that disconnect comes in is a bit of that scorn and ridicule that preppers face at times. And that, to me, is a shame because when you sit down and talk about the skills and the supplies and that sort of thing that people who are into preparedness want to put up or set aside the things you want to look after, I don't think anybody thinks that's a bad idea. Now, you can take it to a crazy degree. You know, you can go and, you know, 
maybe have three years worth of food or something. But if you if you build up that stockpile over time, ahead of time, and or even just having a stocked pantry, it's not a bad thing. And most people, and here's here's back to <laughs> the old one of Jack Spierko's favorite quotes from Men in Black: "Is it uh, a person is smart, but people are dumb." And you can use that same mindset for looking at other people as well. You can say, you know, an individual is a person, but a group is a demographic. So it's easy to paint all preppers as crazy lunatics, but if you get to know one in an individual basis, you'll say, oh yeah, that's no problem. I grew up in an area where there was a lot of racism. And the funny thing was, most people I knew would do and say a lot of racist things, but at the same time, they would have individual people who were black that they would never once think of saying that and considered them friends. So again, it's about getting to know people on the individual level. And I think as a prepper or someone who's into preparedness, one of the best ways to overcome those stigmas and I don't think you're going to, and I, I don't think there's any reason to try to overcome it on a national or international or cultural level. I think it's just, hey, start getting to know your neighbors. Or in our instance, we just spent a lot of time with our brother and sister-in-law, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and eventually we rubbed off on them. And eventually they're like, hey, we're going to put up a few buckets of dry food. We're going to make sure we have gas on hand. We're going to make sure we have a generator. We're going to learn the things that we need to know. And that, and that's from, you know, and do I still get the jokes? Oh, yeah, Tim's a crazy prepper who is waiting for the zombie apocalypse. Sure. I get a text the other night from my brother-in-law, Barrett, and he goes, dude in, season, uh, dude in episode three on The Last of Us is you, Tim. And I'm like, so then I had to ask him. I said, how far have you watched? He goes, I'm just just about five minutes in when they play the piano. And about five seconds later, he goes, well, I guess he's not completely like you. And I had to chuckle. Uh, and if you've seen the episode, you'll get it. And if you haven't, well, you'll have to watch it to see. But it, it was funny. But the entire idea was that I think he was a fairly balanced prepper and a prepper who broke down a bunch of stereotypes that you don't always see. And I thought that was kind of cool. And I think uh, 60 Minutes did a, what was it, a 10 or 15 minute, I don't want to eat, expose is the wrong word, but profile on preppers a little while ago. And I think, I think they did a pretty good job of breaking down the stereotypes too a little bit. So maybe things are changing. You know, the post-COVID world, of course, we all love to get into that mindset, the post-emergency forgetfulness, right? when you can't buy a generator anywhere during the power outage, but six months later, Facebook Marketplace is flooded with just like new generator, only used for three days, because we always think it's not going to happen again. <laughs> so I think, at least as far as turning prepper from a dirty word into a good word, I think is focusing toward other people. We, we talk about building community and that's so hard, but focusing toward your community, whether that's your next door neighbor or teaching a class at the local library, whatever it happens to be, that to me, I think is 
where you start. And you start talking to people, and then they realize, oh, okay, well, you know what? Copy canning, and for those who don't know what copy canning is, it, it's basically, you know, if you eat three cans of Campbell's tomato soup in a week, and you buy your groceries every week, buy four and or buy six and put those other ones up on the shelf and then rotate through and do that every time until you have a month's supply of Campbell's tomato soup, that kind of thing. So maybe teaching that or maybe teaching a sewing class. <laughs> you know, I know this is crazy, but I talk about uh, entrepreneurship being a, a tenant of modern preparedness. So maybe teaching a course on how to start a business and then people realize, holy shit, this guy's into building businesses. That's the way to go. That's a, that's a huge thing. I don't know, whatever it is, but getting involved in your local community, making friends and trying to share your knowledge. We had a great conversation the other day in the Telegram group about um, the need for mentors and finding people. This came out of the episode I did the other night with Dan and uh, doing welding. And when he got into business, the big thing for him was he wanted to find a mentor and he couldn't find either the old guys he found that wanted to help him were useless or out of touch, or he just couldn't find somebody who had done it and wanted to teach him. So to me, that is so important and not just to your kids, but to your community, because the more people that learn from you, the better off they are. I don't know how many people have either started or grown a business because of the words that maybe I said in this podcast. And that is fucking humbling. And I'm not, I hope that doesn't sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but to me, that is the best way to share my knowledge is to get on here and blow, you know, and, and blow into the radio and hopefully you guys enjoy it. So I think at least as far as the first bad word, prepper, I think the best way to overcome it, to overcome that stigma is a local, a local way. And that is, you know, another thing I'm getting ready to do, you know, and I'm not sure I have the time to do it, but I'm going to make the time is I am volunteering. I'm going to become part of the local emergency measures committee um, group through my uh, town council. A friend of mine is uh, the local bylaw officer. And so I'm going to be doing some of that with him and that's pretty exciting because I'm going to learn more skills, but I'm also going to be able to share my passion for emergency measures and uh, emergency preparedness to a lot of other people. So there's that. So find ways. We can each do our own little way because do I think by the time, you know, I pass away from this mortal coil that the idea of being a prepper will be any more accepted than it is now? Yeah, I think it will. But do I think it's going to be universally accepted? Absolutely not. <laughs> but if everybody does something locally and we can change that mindset by, say, 10%, hell, I think this generation succeeded. So let's move on to dirty word number two. Sound like George Carlin talking about the words we can't say on television. But guess what? We can talk about them here. But now. <laughs> and, of course, that's anarchist. And, uh, you know, to me, when I was in junior high... Anarchy was a cool A that I drew on my textbooks because I loved that A with the extended arms with a circle around it. I thought that looked so badass. And of course, I had to read the Anarchist Cookbook. I thought, yeah. And then I remember that uh, that 
stupid ass movie with Vin Diesel called Triple X. And the bad guy in that movie was an anarchist. And all he wanted to do was blow up all the world's governments or something like that. And the reason was is because he just wanted to see the world burn. And so, you know, my late ass Gen X grew up thinking that was the way it was. That the, the, the concept of an anarchist was some crazy, you know, um, Eastern European terrorist who just wanted to see the world burn. And I realized, whoa, that is another media co-op right there, guys. They, and that, I get it, because I'm, I'm a firm believer that language is not um, absolute. Language, you, you, I mean, you just look at how li- language is all relative and things do change. So the idea of an anarchist, you know, maybe we need a new definition for what it is because whether we want to change it or not, if the public decides that the word anarchist means a James Bond villain, then we have to deal with that. So there's that. But then one day, I don't even know when it started, but I know I was, uh, well, I grew up as a right-wing conservative in an evangelical church coming out of the 80s and the 90s, went to a um, fairly right-wing evangelical Bible college from 99 to 2003. And that whole idea of, well, okay, the thing I struggled with, and that this was tough, was, you know, I believed in free choice my entire life. You know, I, I was, you know, I was an Arminian evangelical, which meant uh, I believed that I had a choice to choose to follow God or not. It was kind of the opposite of being a Calvinist. And so right from the beginning, the Arminian view, the worldview was free choice. And so to me, if you take the concept of free choice to its ultimate end, what is it? Well, it's choosing your own government. It's choosing what you do with your own body. It's, uh, you know, not worrying about what other people do. And so when I seen, I guess the first specs of it were growing up in the church and I seen what would be considered the fundamentalist right constantly pushing for laws that would stifle free speech, freedom of choice, all of those things, it really bothered me. And I would talk to my family and to other people and I'd say like, do you not understand that the same laws that you lobby for can be turned around and used against you? like the churches that were shut down during COVID. And when you push for government intervention in any of those things, as a Christian, as an atheist, as a Wiccan, whatever, anytime you push for government intervention, that same intervention can be turned around and used on you just as damn quick. So that's a mindset. So anyway, that that's where I, I started with was this kind of, you know, sure, I was a right-wing conservative, but I had free choice, uh, free will upbringing. And I also had, you know, kind of a a strong free market upbringing as well. My dad was really strong, anti-union, whatever you want to think about that. It was just, you know, so I learned these type of things. And then I realized one day, probably right after college that, fuck, I think I'm a libertarian. I think because if you'd asked me a few years before, 
do you want to see more government or less government? Well, my answer was always less government. And then, of course, you've heard the old adage that uh, a libertarian is just, uh, you know, an anarchist who doesn't know it yet. And to me, once you... First, you go from free free will, free choice, you know, um, individual being the uh, the smallest minority. When you go from that to, I don't want to see, I want to see less government. Well, when you see, le- when you when you combine those two things, it's only a matter of time until you say, I believe that humans should have the right to govern themselves, and then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, I'm not just you know, an anarchist except for military or, um, I don't know, (laughs) abortion or the death penalty, or you pick your hot button issue. All of a sudden I realized the only way to have a clear conscience was to be an anarchist or a voluntarist or an anarcho-capitalist, which I guess I would say, but it really, I don't care. I mean, you can be an anarcho-communist if you want to be, because the thing is, as long as it's free choice, then what the hell does it matter? And I mean, it's so fucking simple. If you haven't heard it before, I'm, I'm sure most of you have, but if some of you haven't, I, I mean, literally the only thing that we need to agree on as an anarchist mutually is don't hurt me and don't steal my shit or don't hurt me or others and don't take my crap. Simple as that. That's it. If you can follow that, everything else doesn't matter. That's what I love about it. And what took me a long time behind the anarcho-voluntarist movement was, yeah, but, or what do I do with this? Or, you know, how do I deal with, don't worry about it. How do I deal with, you know, Bill and Bob that want to live, don't worry about it. How do I live with a 20-year-old who wants to identify as a bunny rat? Don't worry about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, uh, how do I worry about, don't worry about it. Yeah, I know, you're sensing a theme here, right? So when it comes down to it, the the anarchist mindset is the most open and freeing mindset. But it's tough because we all come at it with a certain worldview and certain things in our mind that we were brought up with and we think are wrong. And that's okay. You know, it's the whole idea, the whole mindset behind... um, Again, like, don't ever call the cops on somebody that you wouldn't be willing to shoot with a gun because that's what you're doing. You're sending somebody to their dooryard that uh, causes uh, that could end up causing them to be dead. So, yeah, I mean, that sucks. I know it does. But it also means that people who do things that you don't agree with have a right to do that. And that's tough. Really tough. So the idea of an anarchist, and I don't know if we could ever change the public mindset of that second dirty word. I don't think we could. Because I think that term anarchist has become such a hot-button topic that any time you hear it, you think of Ruby Ridge or the Unabomber or David Koresh, whatever it happens to be. And then all of a sudden, that's like, well... I heard that word, so you must be a criminal, or you're scary. So I think the best way to do it is to talk about anarchy without... Yeah, here we go, Tim, you're you're bullshitting yourself. But I think the best way is to share your anarcho-beliefs without calling it anarchy. Because if that term anarchy gets in the way of somebody realizing 
this is the best way in life to live, then don't use it. Just say, hey, you know what I believe? <laughs> because uh, especially in, you know, one of the biggest things is that, uh, of course, we all believe. Well, no, we don't all believe. Obviously, we don't all believe this. But one of the biggest things is, you know, I'm, you do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. And don't worry about it. And that used to be a real common mindset on both, well, especially on the left, but it really doesn't seem to exist anywhere right now, except in whatever you want to call the, the anarcho movement. Some people want to call it the middle, but I, I call it the outside because I think it's about the only system that steps outside of any area of control. And then, of course, people will always say, well, yeah, but what, what, what do you, anarchy, that's complete collapse. You have no governor. No government, no governance. And that's not true either because, you know, a pure anarchic society is just a pure voluntary society. And that's why I think voluntarism maybe is a better bet, a better term because, hey, we all volunteer. So we get to decide, all right, yeah, you know what? Obviously, me and Bill and Jen, we, we can't do everything. So we need to hire somebody to look after the roads. We need to hire somebody to you know, uh, work as the, uh, you know, the CEO of your town or whatever. You've got to have that and that's fine, but you have to make that choice and you have the choice to walk away from it. And I've always said this and most people hate to hear it, but, uh, you know, when I turned 18, nobody ever said, Hey Tim, do you want to, what taxes would you like to pay? Because I have no problem with paying I have no problem with anyone choosing to pay taxes if that's what you want to do. But what I have a problem with is the whole idea of being forced to pay them. And if I choose not to, men with guns coming to my door and using as much force as is necessary to pry me out of my home and put me in a prison or shoot me. So because of that, because the number one rule of preparedness is not to die, I choose to pay my taxes so that I may not believe in it, I may not agree with it, but, you know, the whole idea of surviving is keeping your freedom and keeping your life. And if that's what I have to do, unfortunately, that's what I have to do. So I don't know what you guys think of this whole idea. I think a lot of you probably are in, uh, in sync with my, my thoughts. But I, I had that just as I was leaving. I've been thinking quite a bit. I stirred up some shit on... Uh, Online, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the responses about that episode of The Last of Us, number three, because there's some stuff in there that as an anarchist, you know, you might not do yourself, but you got to be cool with someone else doing it. And I love the uncomfortableness of watching people stretch a little bit or, or get the mindset because that's when we always digress to our former selves is when we, we see something we don't agree with or makes us uncomfortable all of a sudden, that's when we say, well, I was an anarchist or I am an anarchist, but this. And that's where it becomes funny. You might not like something. You may not. You may choose not to watch something. You may not agree with something. And that's okay. But saying it's wrong or trying to force someone not to do it, that's a whole other story. And that's cool. I, I get it. And there's going to be lots of those people. And we're all on different journeys. But uh, yeah. Prepper and anarchist, two of the scariest words in modern society. 
who honestly are just two of the people that just want to be left the fuck alone and allowed to do what they feel is right and necessary and not bother anyone else. And that's what it comes down to. But unfortunately, no man can live by himself for long term. The lone wolf thing is a pile of shit. The only way to survive long term is to build a community. And the only way to build a community is to build a local community. Because as much as I love all of my internet friends, and as much as we're building a community in Tennessee, if the world collapsed tomorrow and I had no way to get anywhere, guess who I'm stuck with? Me, myself, no, my family, my extended family, and my local community in Provost. So you want to believe I better have spent some time building relationships, making connections, trading, and building goodwill with one another. Because if we don't do that, we have no other options. And the only way to do that, of course, is to not scare people off and to not, you know, to hopefully overcome some of the stereotypes that that scary word prepper and that scary word anarchist convey. And if we can do that, then we're going to leave this world a little better place than the world we came into. And that's really all we can ask. So guys, I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed this. I wasn't sure if I was going to do a ramblings from the road anarchist episode or not, but here we are. We did it. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoyed that. And guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.